Hello and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host, and we have a special guest today. A very special guest today. Our guest today is uh, Miss Elva Green, and Elva is the daughter of Eddie Green, who was a famous character actor on radio and mostly in comedy in the 1940s and appeared on lots of programs. So the first thing we're going to do is welcome Elva Green to the show and talk a little bit about Duffy's Tavern and her father. So Elva Green, welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio show. You have written a book about your father, and uh, that book is available, and we can talk about that. But just in general, why don't you introduce yourself a bit and and uh, talk about uh, whatever you want to say relation, in relation to your father and his work in radio. Hi, John. Hi, Elva. <laughs> nice to meet you over the phone. I'm trying to follow proper etiquette, you know, and they say you should always say hello to the host. That's okay. <laughs> we're, we're very loose on this on this program, so uh, we follow as much etiquette as we can, but sometimes we go off too, so don't worry about it. Okay. We'll just have All a right. casual conversation that will be heard okay. by millions and millions of people. <laughs> ha ha. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay. you. Sure. The name of the book is Eddie Green... The Rise of an Early 1900s Black American Entertainment Pioneer. You didn't start uh, writing until 1998. Um, I guess that's when the book about your father came out. And then you've also done a book on the Jeffersons, the TV show, and Maud. Right. And I guess Good Times as well. It's Maud and Good Times are coming up. Oh, they haven't come out yet. Oh, okay. No. So just the book on the Jeffersons. Uh, actually, the book on my father was the first book. That came out in 2016. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't start actually writing the book until mm, 2014, but starting in 1996 is when I came up with the idea to write a biography on my father. Um, I have a grandson who's now grown, <laughs> but at the time he was um, a youngster and he was born with learning difficulties. And um, when he was in kindergarten and first grade, he would always say that he couldn't do something. You know, he couldn't work out a math problem or he couldn't get, you know, something correct. And, you know, I knew that I had a father who was had become successful in life and that Eddie was a black man, first of all, born in 1891. And the fact that he had become successful before he died was a big deal to me. And I, I just decided I should just write a book about my grant, about my father, for my grandson, whose name is Edward, also. When I when I decided to write the book, I knew about 10% of what was in the, finally wound up in the book. Um, so I wrote the book to help my grandson see that no matter what his obstacles were, his difficulties, he could do whatever he set his heart out to do. And, you know, I could say, see? Look at your grandfather. <laughs> well, that, that's good. And the book is available still? You still have copies available for people? 
Oh, yes. I, it's still available. People are still purchasing it. And, you know, it's funny because my brain never went past the point of writing the book. You know, I started out, I was a secretary for 30 some odd years. Uh, that's the work that I did. And I had no intention of becoming a writer. I just wanted to write this book, give it to my grandson, and, and that was as far as my brain went. The fact that I had to market it and um, and people were going to buy it and that I was going to be interviewed, and none of that entered my head. Well, if you and don't do I, those things, you don't sell very many books. <laughs> yeah, I know. I understand that. Now, now yeah, now you, now you understand it. But yes, yeah, you have to, uh, people think, oh, I'll just write a book and I'll be done with it. No, you have exactly. to get out there and promote it and make sure people are aware of it, which is why you're on this program, even though it's 2016 when you wrote it <laughs> and it's 2023 now, there's still people buying the book. And that's good. That shows yes. there's a great interest in what your father accomplished and as an inspiration uh, to your to his grandson, I guess it would be your grandson. Yes, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's a, that's I mean, a great thing. So you, here you are, still promoting the book <laughs> six seven right. years later, and and I'll be promoting it tomorrow at a presentation I'm giving <laughs> for the Jeffersons. Um, it just, you know, I I was just so into getting this book out, and um, I mentioned it before. But in 1996, my grandson was like six years old. And my mother had gone to Central Library in Los Angeles. And she found this book, Blacks in Blackface. And in the book, someone mentioned that, well, the writer of the book mentioned Eddie Green. And he wasn't in blackface. There was no pictures, but there was a picture of him on stage doing an Amos and Andy bit and um, I took that picture and just ran with it and you know as time went on things happened mom got sick and you know life butted in <laughs> I would say and but it was a good thing because through the years that I was able to research I discovered that 90% of what I found out about Eddie, mom hadn't told me. Hmm. Do you know, yeah. do you have any insight as to why she didn't tell you any of these things? Probably because when, when they were married, she was 22, I think, and Eddie was 55. And he was, you know, he was somebody by the time she married him. And he had money, and he owned a refrigerator. That's what she told me. He owned a refrigerator, uh, okay. Refrigerators yeah, were a scarce that. commodity back in the <laughs> 1940s. She was still living with her mother, and she still had to put ice in the ice box. Yeah, they used to call them ice boxes. That was going to be my yeah. next comment. <laughs> it wasn't even really a refrigerator. It was an ice box, right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So when she met Eddie, here's this you know, short, funny guy. He was five five one, and he was funny, and she married him. And um, I think that she wasn't particularly concerned about 
what he did, you know, in 1921 or 1931. They got married in 1945. Okay. And, uh, you know, he took her places. He took her to New York. He took her to Paris. They had parties and, you know, he bought her furs and she lived a big life at the time. Um, but then Eddie died in 1950. I was still a child. Yeah, you must and, have been uh, very young at that point. Yeah. And life, her life changed drastically, went a whole different way. And we got a whole nother father. And she just didn't talk about the old days, you know, just here and there. She would mention, like she told me, she let me watch the 1945 Paramount Duffy's Tavern movie on TV when I was eight years old so that I could see Eddie. Um, she told me he wrote A Good Man is Hard to Find, the song. Oh, that's interesting. I'm familiar with that song, sure. Did, Mae West she, recorded that at first, I think. Sophie Tucker did also. Okay, well, yeah, I know Mae West did it. I'm not a big Sophie Tucker fan, so I don't know. But Yeah, she did it for 10 weeks straight. Okay. In one of her shows. Um, she told me that that... She had pictures of Eddie, Frank Sinatra, and herself. So I know that he knew Frank Sinatra. She also told me that, you know, he never did blackface. And that was about it. She told me that he left home when he was nine years old. He did take her and show her the, the slum that he was born in, in Baltimore. And he told her why he never goes back, went back there. But, you know, she that's about it. It was like she just told me little highlights, little snippets. Like she never told me he was on stage with Bill Robinson in the Hot Mikado. Yeah, so it was up to you to find out all these details and, and turn it into a book. And that's what I did. And as I researched, the more I found, you know, I went to this museum and they told me to go to that museum and I went to the Mamie Clayton Museum, and oh no, I got a pro bono lawyer to help me out. And he was at the Oscars Museum in Beverly Hills. Yes, that's the Mar Margaret Herrick Library. Margaret Herrick Library. And he, while he was there, he punched in Eddie's name and came up with some things and told me, you need to get to Margaret Herrick Library. Yes, they have an enormous collection of photographs there. They had photographs. They had Eddie's scripts for the movies he made. They had posters for his movies. They had the Paramount contract. <laughs> yeah, it's a marvelous research center. The only problem with it is if you don't live in Los Angeles, you have no real access to it. You have to travel and actually go there to do the research. Exactly. And that's the big problem that I had with other things, you know, such as getting copyrights for the 30 songs Eddie wrote or going to Washington, D.C. to get copies of things. Yeah, you have to go to the Library of Congress and the Copyright Office and all those exactly. places. And I, I didn't have a car when I first started, so I was always on the bus. But I, I went everywhere. I went to libraries. I went to the 
Mormon Church on Santa Monica Boulevard in L.A. They have a wonderful room. It's a section where you can go in there and use their computers for free on certain days. And they have they have information on all different types of things, all different ethnicities, you know, going back to the first first copy of the Constitution. <laughs> um, it was they helped me find a lot of information on Eddie. So um, it was a big deal, you know, and by the time I finished and then mom passed in 2010, so I decided to spend all of my time just focusing on the book. So it took me till 2016 to finish the research and write it and get it out. Well, that's an awful lot of dedication that you that you did for that. All right. Um, we're going to play an episode of Duffy's Tavern in a couple minutes here. But before we do that, uh, can you tell our uh, listeners a little bit about Eddie's work in radio that they may be familiar with or may not be familiar with besides Duffy's Tavern. We'll, we'll start with that, and then we'll get to Amos and Andy after that. He he did Jubilee Radio for the um, soldiers, for our soldiers in World War II. Yeah, Jubilee was an armed forces radio program dealt mostly with music. Yes, mostly. His was um, comedy he did comedy, and that's like he did a skit where he worked with Ernie Bubbles Whitman, who was the MC for Jubilee, and Lena Horn was the guest. And one Christmas, Private Eddie Green got Lena Horn as a Christmas present. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that one. That was a good. That <laughs> was a good show. <laughs> Rudy Valley was the person who fell in love with Eddie, evidently, um, like 1934 or 36, and he had Eddie on the show, and he liked him so much, he brought him back quite often. So he started out with Rudy Valley on the radio, and he did the Royal Gelatin Hour. He did a, a show called The Pursuit of Happiness. Um the Columbia Workshop, the Stage Door Canteen, um, Gildersleeves. That surprised me. Yeah, the Great Gildersleeve. Yes. that I know that was a big deal at the time. It was a hugely popular program. I think it was actually yeah. a little bit more popular than Duffy's Tavern, although it probably was close. Yes, yes. Um, he did the fabulous Dr. Tweedy. <laughs> okay, that's not one I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> that was with uh, the gentleman who played the wizard in The Wizard of Ray Oz. Bolger. No, 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 no. Frank Morgan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank, Frank Morgan. <laughs> right. It was right, originally right. It was supposed to be W.C. Fields, but he backed out. Uh, and um, the folks on 4th Street, Fleischmann's Yeast Hour, the General Tire Review. And on and on. Do you know how he wound up on Duffy's Tavern? You know, I don't know exactly how it happened. Um, I read a book by Martin Grahams on Duffy's Tavern. He wrote a tome. And 
it I don't even think it's it mentions how exactly Ed Gardner discovered Eddie or you know when he came to his office or if he had an interview but at that time Eddie was coming up you know he was he was doing all these radio shows Rudy Valley was like his mentor um and I guess he was just you know the funniest guy going at the time well Rudy Valley was hugely popular during the 1930s and 40s, and he had a lot of influence on a lot of people. So if Rudy Valley was mentoring him, I'm sure that resulted in all kinds of radio work. Exactly. And, you know, his he, he was on, he, evidently, someone said, you know, Eddie couldn't open his mouth without being hilarious. And um, so he got, he got chosen for many shows for instance, he was um, one of the comedians that broadcast to Admiral Byrd on the Antarctic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. recording actually exists somewhere, although I have not mm-hmm. heard it. Right, 1929, and he was chosen. Yes, supposedly that exists at the Library of Congress, but they haven't released it to anyone at this point. Okay. So by that by that time Eddie was becoming very well known. Um so I just assumed that, you know, Ed Gardner was looking for somebody funny and and um he found he picked Eddie and they wound up being good friends, very very good friends. For those who don't know, Ed Gardner is the um, main star of Duffy's Tavern. He played Archie, the manager, but he also was heavily involved in in getting the show written and on the air. So, yes, that makes sense. Yes, he was the creator. Yes. All right. And we're going to hear an episode of Duffy's Tavern that you actually selected to be played here so our audience can hear your father's work. Uh, thanks to the miracles of somebody saving the transcription discs. Many of them were thrown away, but some have survived, and this one apparently has survived because we're going to hear it. Um, Can you tell us anything about this particular one before we hear it, or do we just need to hear it, and then we'll talk about it afterwards? What do you prefer? I Actually, I've forgotten which one. The one where he sings. Oh. Oh. Producer Daniel says it's the one where Eddie sings. Yeah, he seems candy. I just looked up on that one day. I didn't. I didn't. Haven't listened to it recently. Okay. Um, well, we're gonna hear I it together. What it was about, but All right. yeah. Well, we're gonna hear it together. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this, but most radio programs, a very s- small percentage of everything that was done on radio back in the 30s and 40s actually survives. A whole lot of it, a huge percentage of it has been destroyed over the years because they didn't record that many programs, they didn't save that many recordings of those programs, and a lot of them have just been lost over the years. So anything that we have is due to a a sort of a miracle with a bunch of Mm -hmm. private collectors like myself who've saved them, and there are some public archives who've saved them, but most of them have vanished. So it's a real treat for you especially to be able to hear your father because if they hadn't recorded these things and they hadn't survived, you would have never been able to hear them. Exactly. And I I think that maybe what I heard... Um, Hinkley, H-I-N-K-L-E-Y, 
a man and his wife were going out of business, and they sent me CDs with some some of those uh, shows on them. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we have a listen to Duffy's Tavern? Um, do we know the date of this particular program, Producer Daniel? Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get it. We'll get it for the audience before when the, when we come back after we listen to it. But this is Duffy's at, Duffy's Tavern, starring Ed Archie Gardner, and with special appearances on this one with Mr. Eddie Green. So we're going to listen to this together, and then Alva and I will have some comments about it after it's done. Here we go. Thank you. We take you now to Duffy's Tavern. <laughs> Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meat eat Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Tonight, uh, Jinx Borkenbike. Hmm, cover girl, swimmer, movie actress, tennis star. Yep, she's packed to the hilt with talent. <laughs> and boy, what a hilt. <laughs> hmm, yeah, lovely face, Duffy. You know, the kind of a girl you'd like to have for a sister. Only if she was, you'd wish she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but uh, tonight I got other things on my mind, Duffy Huh? Well, look, now that we're closing up the joint I might just as well tell you that I'm quitting Huh? Well, look now For 15 years you have waked me like I was a dog You treated me like the dirt on your feet You bawled me out like I was a thick-headed jerk You paid me wages that even a moron wouldn't work for Huh? Well, I got my own reasons for quitting <laughs> Now, look, Duffy Please, do not argue. Tears and lamentation will get you nowhere. <laughs> well, I gotta go. Huh? I bid you, bon I sir.
don't bother me now, Eddie. I gotta check this ad for Tripagaphical Eris. And uh, see, uh, available. High class maestro de hotel. Harvard graduate, also some high school. Uh, wonderful executive. E-C-K-X. Z-E-C-K-Z. Y-O-U-U. <coughs> No, I think I got one diphthong too many. <laughs> hey, Eddie. Uh, yeah? How do you spell executive? Executive? Mm, E-X-E-C-U-T-I-V-E. Eddie, leave us not guess, shall we? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but you, you really gonna leave this place, Miss Archer? Yep, Eddie, the cast has died. I already told them... <laughs> And boy, what a relief, you know? For the first time in 15 years, I feel freedom cursing through me veins. Yes, sir, Eddie, when I leave this job, I'll be working on air. And living on it, too. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll do okay. I've learned a lot from working for that dirty miser. You have? Yes, sir, next time a boss tells me I'll only have to work 80 hours a week, six and a half days for 15 bucks, brother, I'll get it in writing. <laughs> When I think how that Duffy has pushed me around, well, I don't have to tell you, Eddie. You know how much I've taken from him. And without getting caught, too. <laughs> uh, Miss Archer, how do you happen to come to work in this gastronomical Alcatraz in the first place? I was a dope, Eddie. I let that Duffy soft soap me into it. What a picture you painted. Archie, someday this place will be all yours. I ain't gonna live forever. Promises. <laughs> Empty promises. He let you down, huh? Yeah. Uh, how'd he suck you into coming here? Well, I, I was just an inexperienced country boy at the time, and when Mr. Duffy told me the hours and the pay, I thought it was a good job. Come on, Eddie, quit kidding. What, what keeps you here? Well, as a matter of fact, see, I, I kind of like this place. Huh? Yeah. Maybe I'm just a sucker for bright lights and the crunch of pretzel. Yeah, I, I know how you feel, Eddie. There is certain things about this joint that does get under your skin. Yeah. Yeah. The soft swish of a customer being dragged through the sawdust. <laughs> yeah. The gentle rattle of teeth getting knocked out in a fight. Yeah. The gusty smacking of lips at the free lunch. Mm. Followed by the dull thud of falling bodies. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Eddie. Quit trying to nostalgia me. I see what you're trying to do. No, sir. My mind is made up. <laughs> All open again. Yeah, it is. I was saying my mind is made up. What's the matter, Arch? You sound sad. Yeah, Finnegan. You see, I... I ain't gonna be here much longer. You ain't gonna be... Go on, Arch. You'll live to dance at my funeral. Finnegan, I ain't talking about rigor and me mortis. Oh, oh. I'm talking about quitting me job. Oh, is that so? Uh, Arch, I don't want to shame a ghoul, but uh, if there's gonna be a vacancy, I wonder if Duffy would consider Finnegan. me... There is an old maximum. You can't fill a vacancy with a vacancy. <laughs> you 
know there's a lot to learn before you can manage a joint like this. So what? I learned very fast. Well, if you learn very fast, how come you don't know nothing? Well, easy come, easy go. <laughs> it's laughable. You run Duffy's Tavern. Then again, you had no business experience. Oh, gee. You'll forget my dog walking around. And the year that I was associated with that Heidi Guidey. You mean one of them hand organs with a monkey? Yeah. Uh, which end of the business were you in? <laughs> yeah, I was the one that turned the crank. Oh. Well, was the uh, enterprise successful? Uh, well, between you and me, no. You see, a business has to be built on confidence, and frankly, I just couldn't trust that monkey. <laughs> Well, Finnegan, you'd have problems on this job, too. <clears throat> no, uh, I'm afraid I couldn't recommend you. Oh, another failure. Yeah, you do have tough luck, don't you? Yeah, it's a case of us, Finnegan, Josh. I guess I'm just like me father. The one time in his life he started to make good money selling apples, boom, the depression ended and he was wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you left school and went to work, wasn't it? Uh, no, I, I wanted to leave school, but my mother wouldn't let me. I was only in 4B. How old was you? Not quite 19. <laughs> yeah, besides, my mother wanted me to stay until I learned to read and write. Well, did you? No, it was terrible. First, I could read and I couldn't write. And I finally learned to write and I forgot how to read. <laughs> Boy, it was a vicious cycle. Oh, uh, then why didn't your mother let you go to work? Uh, she was afraid it would interfere with me education. <laughs> well, which was your first job, the dog walking or the hurdy-gurdy? Neither one. I started as a panhandler. Then again, you a panhandler? Uh, not for long, Arch. It wasn't for me. Asking strangers for a nickel for a cup of coffee, I got sick of it. Why? It sounds like easy money. Yeah, but who could drink all that coffee? <laughs> well, I'm gonna miss you, Finnegan. <clears throat> but on the other hand, it'll be such a pleasure to get away from that big, fat, blubber-headed boss of mine. Archie, you stop talking that way about Papa. What makes you think I'm talking about your father, Miss Duffy? What other big, fat, blubber-headed boss have you got? <laughs> You mean that I did have? <clears throat> I'm quitting. Maybe you don't know it. Yeah, I heard about it. And I think it's a dirty trick after all Papa's done to you. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what gratitude. Why, Papa made you what you are today. You're worthless good for nothing. He made... Look, Miss Duffy. I have worked for your father 15 years, man and beast. <laughs> And if I had it to do over again, it would be over his dead body. What an ingrate. After Papa picks you up, gives you a swell job, treats you like a son, lends you money whenever you want. 30% interest? Well, he has to protect himself lending money to a fellow with a job like yours. <laughs> but uh, that doesn't say that he's stingy. Well, then I'll say it. <laughs> Getting dough out of that guy is like trying to get blood out of a tourniquet. Look, Archie, you don't know him like I do. You only know Papa as a boy, but I know him as a father. 
And believe me, people like him don't grow on trees. Nope. They swing from them. <laughs> Archie, you don't understand him. Just because he's not the flashy type of a boss who likes to show off to his employees by getting them large salaries. <laughs> he, uh, he's certainly been good to me. He has, huh? Yeah. Whenever I wanted a few extra dollars, he never stopped me from going out and working for it. <laughs> you don't understand him. On the surface, he may seem to despise you and hate you, but underneath it all, he's really sincere. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear that. Believe me, tonight when you told him that you weren't coming back, he, he just sat there with a lump in his throat. No kidding? Yeah. He was so shocked he swallowed a pig's foot whole. <laughs> he did, huh? Really? Gee, maybe I'm... No, sir, I gotta be strong. Now, leave me alone, Miss Duffy. Jinx Falkenberg will be here any minute, and I want to get this ad mailed. Now, let's see, uh... Wonderful executive, tall, suave, nifty appearance. We'll deal with principles only. Hot dog or hamburger stands need not apply. <laughs> well, I guess that does it. Hello, Duffy's Tavern, Archie the future ex-manager speaking. <laughs> oh, it's you, huh? Well, I ain't changed my mind when I eat it. No, sir, I'm still quitting. Well, it's your own fault for treating me the way you do, you thick-headed, ugly, stupid baboon. Well, it's time you realize that I'm your equal. <laughs> huh? What? Ah, go soak your feet, you big mullet head. Ah, me. Such a tender parting. Well, it's no use leaving bad friends. <laughs> Well, Eddie, I guess I'd better pack me stuff now. Let's see. Uh, where's my uh, bartender's handbook? Uh, you mean how to win friends and put people under the influence? <laughs> yeah. Right over there next to your Mickey manual. <laughs> oh, thanks. Now, let's see. I'll need me short measure jigger with the false bottom. Uh, now, what else? Uh... Hey, Miss Archie, that girl over there, ain't that Miss Jinx Falkenberg? Where? Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at the cut of that dress. <laughs> if the top was any lower and the skirt was any shorter, it'd make a great belt. <laughs> look at that, Harry. Boy, what an epic dermis. <laughs> Hello, Jinx. Well. <laughs> Hello, Archie. Jinx, I don't know how to greet you. You know, I'm so bedrazzled by the glamour of your punkertudinous femininity. <laughs> and uh, so overcome by the delicacy of your scintillating presence, I'm, I'm just speechless. Well, I'm glad that's over. So am I. Now, <clears throat> leave us get down to conversation. Uh, how you been? Oh, very well, thanks. And you? Uh, oh, fair to meddling. You're certainly uh, looking well. Oh, pardon me. I didn't mean to stare. <laughs> No, Archie. What I meant was that you seem to be in very good condition. Oh, well, I'm like you are. I'm very careful with my body. 
I, uh... <clears throat> I treat it like a delicate machine, you know. Uh, you know how I got this physique of mine, don't you? Malnutrition? Yep. <laughs> and plenty of it. <laughs> yes, sir, lots of fresh air, exercise. What have you been doing for exercise? Oh, I've been uh, working out in a gym. Oh, calisthenics. Well, I got a few blisters. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing uh, that weightlifting, you know, flying around on a trapeze, uh, rope climbing, Barbells. Cut it out, Eddie. <laughs> yep, exercise has done me a lot of good. Uh, uh, had great results from it. You know that uh, magazine, Strength and Health Digest? Certainly. I can tear it in half. <laughs> but enough about me, Jinx. Uh, you look like you're in pretty good shape yourself. Uh, what have you been doing for exercise? Oh, I've been doing a lot of walking. Oh. Well, if you want to go out with them kind of guys. <laughs> That's strictly your own business. I, 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 who's your tomato? Then again, please. I wish you would be a little more cool. Jinx, uh, <laughs> uh, this is Mr. Finnegan. I'm very happy to know you, Finnegan. Hey, oh, I just think you're fast working. <laughs> I, it, hey, wait a minute. Didn't I see your picture in Photoplay magazine last week? Possibly. In a strapless dress? Yes. With a bare midriff? That's right. And a long neck? Right. I thought the face was familiar. Finnegan, <laughs> <laughs> really, I'm embarrassed for you. Uh, what was that? I'm embarrassed for you. Well, thanks, Archie. And if I can ever be embarrassed for you, just call me. Anyway, why don't you go pawn yourself and lose the ticket? Uh, uh, Jinx, uh, how come you're in town tonight? I'm going over for the USO. Oh, uh, what are you going to do over there? Well, that's just it, Arch. I don't know what to do. I can't sing and I can't dance. And... Well, I got a feeling that in your case, the boys will overlook a lot. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello? What? No, it's too late to offer me a raise. 25? No, sir. You could make it 50, 75, even a buck. <laughs> I still quit. And the same to you, sir. Uh, Jinx, uh, you say you were going overseas, That's eh? right. Uh, look, how's about hiring me? No. Well, then maybe I could be your... No. Well, you're gonna need... No! What else can I do well? <laughs> now, look, Jinx, you just said yourself that you can't dance and you can't sing. Why don't you take somebody with you who can? Archie, you mean that you sing and dance? Yes. <laughs> I not only sing and dance, but I tell great jokes, you know. Does that solve the problem? No, Archie, it's not that simple. What I really need is a whole truth. Jinx, if I can get the troop, can I go with you? Well, uh... It's a deal. Now, wait right here. In a few minutes, I'll have the whole show ready for you to look over. Hey, Eddie, uh, Finnegan, come here a minute. Answer the phone, Eddie, and tell him that I'm still quitting, that he is a jerk, a crumb, and an ignoramus. Hello, Mr. Duffy? Uh, the opinions about to be expressed do not necessarily represent those of the speaker. Uh, you are a... Oh. 
Well? He beat us to it and added fatheads. <laughs> the unmedicated call. Well, when Jink sees this show we got here, I can bid this crummy joint upon good riddance. Now, uh, Eddie, you get your song ready, and I'll uh, go over and uh, check with Finnegan, Miss Duffy. Right, Mr. Schubert. <laughs> Just call me Messrs. I'll be right with you. Oh, Eddie. Well, he suffers from a conflict. What do you mean? He's got a champagne imagination and a beer head. <laughs> See, Miss Falkenberg, he quits this job every third day. But this time, I'm afraid he's thinking of quitting. In which case, he would be very unhappy. Because he really loves this place. Well, why don't you talk him out of it? Well, that's what I was hoping you might do. You mean bring him to his senses? Yeah. Of course, it would be the first time they ever met. <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do, Eddie. Well, Jinx, we're all ready to roll. I got a show here that them guys overseas will be nuts about. Uh, just sit down over there and listen to it. Uh, okay, in the pits, music. <laughs> Again, you lucky people, 110 pounds of charm and personality. <laughs> Zero Archie. <clears throat> the slap happy pappy with the snappy chatter that chases away them blues. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, fuck. That's the idea, folks. Everybody joins in. <laughs> well, sir, a funny thing happened to me on my way down here tonight. I was... Uh, yeah, fuck. I was accosted by a panhandler. He come up to me and he... Oh, yeah? See the way I handle them heckless jinx? <laughs> and now, I bring you direct from the orange room at Netics. <laughs> that solid, thin, and scat singer of smooth, syncopated swing, Eddie Green. What are you singing, Eddie? Scandy. Take it away. Candy, I call my sugar candy Cause I'm sweet on candy And candy's sweet on me ah, She understands me My understanding candy ah, Sweet candy When I need sympathy You know what I wish? I wish that there was four of her so I could love much more of her. Oh, ah, she's taking my complete heart. I'm crazy about my sweetheart. Ah, Candy, it's gonna be just dandy. Time when I marry Candy. And we're gonna have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of the cutest little gumdrops when I make her mine all mine. And thank you, Eddie Green. Well, is everybody happy? Are we living? Are we in the groove? Good. Well, sir. <laughs> A funny thing happened to me on my way. Please, sir. A simple, you're a bum would have sufficed. <laughs> and now, uh, that, uh, that popular duo of two. Them, uh, perennial favorites of stage, screen, and radio, appearing for the first time anywhere. Here they are. Half a wit and a mitt. 
<laughs> the kids will sing that popular hit, Indian Love Call. When you're calling me, I think they're wonderful people. Uh, yes, they're so warm and friendly, and, and they seem to represent all walks of life. Yeah, I guess they do at that. Rich man thief, poor man thief, <laughs> beggar man thief. Yeah, Jinx, they're really good. Uh, well, Jinx, what about the European trip? But won't you miss these people, Archie? Well, I... No, no, I ain't the sentimental type. I, I can get along without them. Yes, I, I got a little surprise for you to take uh, with you when you leave. Yeah. Let's see. Mm. A little bag of sawdust. <laughs> Gee, that's nice of you, Finnegan. Uh, yeah, Mr. Archer, I got a little going away present for you, too. A lock of hair from the moose head. <laughs> oh, thanks, Eddie. Gee, fellas, these things are certainly going to remind me of the place. Well, Jinx, I... Well, Jinx, I... I think we'd better start going. Come on. Let's get out of this crummy dump, will you? Will you cut it out, fellas? You see, Archie, they really love you. Huh? Yeah, they do, don't they? Hello? Hello, Duppy. I ain't gonna quit. No, I won't leave, Duppy. No, I'll, I'll never, never leave you. Duffy. He's crying. <laughs> uh, Jinx. Jinx, I guess you're right. Tell the fellas overseas I'm, I'm sorry, but my place is here bringing happiness to these people. My people. You're a bum! You see, they really love me. <laughs>
is the Armed Forces Radio Service. Okay, that was Duffy's Tavern. We did find the date on that. It was originally aired on June 8th, 1945, over the Armed Forces Radio Service Network. Um, I think Duffy's Tavern was on NBC or CBS uh, in America, but they would record the programs and then make them available to the soldiers overseas via the Armed Forces Radio Service. And that is why some of these programs actually survived. The network versions were destroyed long ago, but uh, some of the soldiers actually kept some of those Armed Forces Radio transcriptions and brought them back to America when they came back. And they have since been found and the shows on them transferred. And that's why we get to hear Eddie Green on Duffy's Tavern from June 8th, 1945. Um, I have a couple comments about this. There was a line in there that uh, (laughs) really kind of walked up to the censors and asked them to censor it, but they didn't. Um, If you notice, the lady was saying that she has been doing a lot of walking lately. And then uh, Archie replies, well, if it's your business, if you want to be around those kind of guys, um, I I don't think that they would have uh, passed that through the censor if they had realized what that was. But somehow they got away with that one. Uh, The other line in there was when they're talking about a half wit and a miss, and that's not something that would be considered risque or anything, but I don't think that modern listeners, those of you who are listening to this now, will know what that referred to. There was a very popular singing group in 1945 who used the name Six Hits and a Miss. And so (laughs) for Duffy's Tavern, they changed Mm. it around to Half Wit and a Miss, And I just want to make clear that that was a little play on words there that most people would not get why that was done. Anyway, we have with us uh, Elva Green, uh, Eddie Green's daughter, and we've been talking about his appearances and work on radio. Elva, what did you think of that program? I also noticed that line when she said she had been out walking. (laughs) (laughs) Doing a lot of walking was the way she put it. Yeah, that that rather surprised me, um, especially for 1945. (laughs) Yeah, they snuck that one by somehow. I don't don't know how they did that, but uh, they did. That that must have had something to do with Ed Gardner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, some shows would do that. But they had to be very careful how they did it because if they got themselves in trouble, they could find themselves without a sponsor and off the air real quick. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I was, um, I was very happy to hear Eddie sing. Um, did he write the Eddie, song "Candy"? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. I know I've heard the song before, but I didn't know what songs he wrote and what he didn't. No, I think it was just popular at the time. 
Okay. Um, from what I remember seeing, um, Eddie wrote songs, but he didn't necessarily sing the songs that he wrote. Okay. Um, but he, and when he did, he was kind of a talking, he talked through the song. Like I found a song he did called I'm Leaving You. And uh, it's a duet. I forget the lady's name, but he talks to her telling her why he's leaving her and she sings to him or something okay. like that. Well, that was a yeah. technique that some people used. Um, sometimes they used it because they couldn't really sing. And other times they used it right. because it was an effective tool for making a song stand out. Right. And Eddie wasn't necessarily a singer, um, but he, you know, he was a writer. He dan he was a dancer, sure, but not necessarily a singer. So, all right. Well, we are speaking with uh, Miss Elva Green, Eddie Green's daughter, who wrote the book on Eddie Green and his career, not only in radio, but vaudeville and, and motion pictures. The book is called Eddie Green, The Rise of an Early 1900s Black American Entertainment Pioneer. So you get from that title everything about what you're about to read. And those who are interested in getting a copy of the book, you can make Jeff Bezos richer and get it on Amazon.com. <laughs> so uh, check that out. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, Elva Green for a second show. Uh, our next one is going to be on Amos and Andy, so get ready for that. And in the meantime, this is John Tefteller saying thank you, Elva, for appearing on the show this week. We'll be back next week with another one. And... Thank you.